And I'm back. So, domestic abuse is one of those issues that creeps up and makes its way, it winds its way through society. And every once in a while it flares up and people are so shocked by it. And then it floats back down and it's almost like it's forgotten again. Such is the case with Sally Challen. She married her husband, Richard Challen. And they had a really weird marriage. Um, She was 15 when they met. He was 22. And their son, David, points out that this is a very... um, big age gap here. And so so they met and Sally fell madly in love and Richard was fucking everything he could. And I know that sounds very crass, but it's true. He was sleeping around without a care in the world. When they got married he would criticize her constantly. He would, um, someone would say she's, she looked very pretty or she was looking good. And then he would, he would just cut that with a remark like, well, you haven't seen her naked or this, that, or the other thing. So they had two sons, um, David and another one. Um, <laughs> And James. Um, James is older. And, uh, but he doesn't really talk about his parents very much. David, however, will. And he's, he told stories about how his mother, um, or how his father wouldn't let them watch TV because it would take away its quote-unquote limited lifetime. His father would lock up phones because he paid the bill and he didn't want to pay for everyone's usage. Um, and there were there were countless stories about how he um, how Richard would go to parties, hit on women, or. Um, just was really cruel to Sally in front of their friends. And Sally wasn't allowed to have any friends outside of Richard. Which is a very classic abuser move. So, as this is all kind of grinding down, a big event played out. During this time, Richard was still cheating, sleeping with with all kinds of women. And Sally had decided to go to work. So she was doing some secretarial work. And Richard said, well, since you're working now, you're going to be paying the household expenses. While he went out and bought himself a Cartier watch, a Ferrari, and things like that. So there was a massage parlor right near Sally's work. 
And this massage parlor was of the rub and tug variety. And just, just after Sally was heading home from work one day, there was a huge raid on the massage parlor and Richard was arrested for solicitation. He denied it and when Sally said something to him about it, he told her, quote, it's none of your business. So Sally became very distraught and talked for the first time about leaving Richard. Some friends came and to visit them from LA and um, Richard and the wife um, had both gone to bed and the husband and Sally stayed up talking for a little bit and then hugged and said goodnight and they, they went to bed. Richard happened to see that and blew a fuse and stopped talking to the couple altogether. Which made Sally even more distraught. So, sometime after this, Sally decided to leave Richard. And she bought a... uh, She had inherited some money, bought a house. Her and David moved into the new house together. But since this was the only life Sally had known up until this point... uh, And this was 2010, so... She's 64 now, or... No, she's probably like 65, 60, yeah, probably like 65, 64, 65, so she'd been with him since at least the 70s. So you look at a marriage that lasts that long, um, we're looking at 30 plus years, and it's bound to affect you. So, she and Richard started talking about reconciliation, and Richard said, Richard said, well, we can reconcile, yeah, sure, why not, but we're going to go through with the divorce, and you're only going to take $200,000, and you're not going to question me, you're going to do everything I tell you to do. No more interrupting me, no more smoking, blah, 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 blah. When Sally started saying what she wanted, Richard cut her off. So one morning, uh, and Sally's divorce attorney actually did, did say that she started and stopped divorce proceedings more than a, more than a dozen times. So one morning... Um, after their alleged reconciliation, Sally went to Richard's house to see him, and he asked for breakfast. He asked for bacon and eggs. He went to the bathroom, and Sally looked at his phone and saw that a woman had been texting him, a woman that he met on an app called Dinner Dates. She confronted him about it, and he said, and I quote, It's none of your fucking business. I don't have to answer to you. If you want to be with me, do not question what I do. 
This sent Sally into a, a frenzy. And she took a hammer and hit him over the head with it 20 times. She wrapped him in a curtain, then went and picked David up, dropped him off, and apparently just went about her day like nothing happened. The next day, she took David to work, dropped him off at work, and then went to the cliff and threatened to commit suicide. Suicide prevention people talked her out of it. And she ended up confessing what she had done. Police went over to the house, discovered the body. And she was arrested and tried for murder. She was found guilty. But she's currently appealing that decision. Because her her first attorneys didn't talk about the abuse and everything that she suffered at Richard's hands and her attorneys and David feel that that is one of the most important things that people need to know and surprisingly you know in most of the true crime cases the family wants justice they're demanding justice you know they just they're angry and they're upset and in this case even Richard's brother saying no he probably had it coming he he probably deserved this so right now Sally has been in jail for I believe 70 years um and she's serving an 18 year sentence However, if she wins the appeal, she she should be able to get out this year. And um, David is is very much hoping that his mother is released from jail and allowed to um, visit her sons, visit her grandkids. And there's a really sweet story that David tells about his mom. Uh, he came out to her. And there was, when he came out, there was an unwritten rule that they never talked about it to Richard. And David says that all he wants right now is for his mom to be able to see him and his partner and spend some time together. And I just think that's so so sweet. And this is a really tragic story all the way around. And it goes to prove that there are no heroes and there are no villains. That sometimes we're all just people. I'm going to go and I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And this is an exciting day. Um, brand new beginnings. But not really. Um, no. Um, new beginnings, new studios, new everything. Um, well, same old show, same old host. Um, 
But, you know, this sort of stuff happens. Um, and same old stories. <coughs> I, I could not think of a better introduction for, for our first segment. Oh, this is what gets me in trouble. So, last year we talked about the sex cult. N-X-I-M. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not even going to try. It's actually X N-X-I-V-M. Um, it's the one with Alice and Mac. You know, the girl from um, Smallville. Well, um, the, the cult leader, Keith... Um, Chris, Keith Rainier and Seagram, Li- Seagram Liquor Air try saying that three times fast and I'm not even drunk <laughs> Claire Bronfman um, have both been charged with child pornography um, I think possession um, all, all it says is it has been hit with child porn charges. Um, but the big revelation is that Allison Mack, um, Allison Mack, uh, Lauren Selzman, and Kathy Russell, three of the highest ranking members of the cult, are all working on plea deals. Um, From my understanding, this is going to be a lot like the Mueller um, plea negotiations. Meaning, they are going to, um, they're going to turn state's evidence. And honestly, their deals will probably rest on what kind of evidence they turn over. Uh, If you look at um, Paul Manafort, he if he had been doing a better job and not lying, he probably wouldn't would have got even less than the seven years in jail that um, he was sentenced to. And SDNY probably would not have filed 16 more felony charges against him. Now, here's why that's important. Not that you guys don't already know, but I'm going to explain anyways. <laughs> um, so, the the seven years that he's been sentenced to um, are federal, which means that the president can issue a pardon. However... The state um, felony charges, he will not be able, the president will not be able to pardon him from those. And the reason why, uh, the, the expected reason why Mueller did this and handed over all of his evidence is so Manafort doesn't get away with it. I'm thinking that's what's happening here. Um, if Alice and Mac and crew 
are really cooperating and not lying, they could probably get their sentences reduced or spend no time in jail. But there's always a chance that they might lie, and what what could happen here with that is um, they could face federal and state charges. So they're going to have to really worry about what's happening. Um, And in no way am I trying to tie the two cases together. One is a sex cult, and the other is a conspiracy to undermine our democracy with the help of Russians. So, I mean, we need to keep that in mind. Um, Both are very, very heinous crimes, but um, the comparisons begin and end with what prosecutors are probably trying to do. And what I'm trying to do is go and come right back. And I'm back. And... This next story is one that suits me to a T. So, Jerick Wentworth was a very popular porn star. He did, um, if you look up, if you Google him, you're going to see a lot of daddy roles. Um, and you're going to see that within that field, he was probably the top... Uh, the, the probably the top actor. If if he's not the top, he's near, very near the top. And I am not going to apologize or take, the, excuse me, or take that back, um, because I hadn't heard about this before. I actually stumbled upon the story in a in a weird way, which again I'll tell you later. But so. So I googled him and I so I could familiarize myself. Um, for the full story, go read um, extortion porn style um, over on Vocal Media. I wrote it. Anyways, he in um, the June of twenty thirteen. Jarek met Donald Burns. Now, if you don't know who Donald Burns is, he's not a conglomeration of Trump and Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. He, even though it really sounds like he is, he's actually... A billion, a conservative billionaire who would give to a lot of right-wing politicians. And he also gave to a lot of LGBT causes. And so, Jarek and Donald met up, started talking, and actually had a uh, an allegedly brief affair. I say allegedly because while well, neither deny it, neither have confirmed it either. So they had this affair. 
And after a while, and again, I there's no real timeline for me to give you guys here because I don't know. Um, but at some point they decided, hey, we're not really suited Um, we're not really suited to to be together. And as as hard as this is to hear, like, you know, let's let's go our separate ways. And then there's like Donald was like, wait, 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 no, no, let's not go our separate ways. Let's work together. So Donald's plan was to have Jarek bring him young men who would have sex with him for money. And these these guys would come in and have group sex or whatever Donald wanted to do in that for that day. And they would leave with envelopes stuffed with cash. And for every man that Jarek brought Donald, Donald would pay him twenty thousand dollars. Not a bad way to make a living. And this was a very fruitful... um, business arrangement for both of them. Until one day, one of the guys that... a jerk had sent to hook up with Donald... decided... he didn't want to do this. He didn't want to hook up with an old man... So Donald called Jerick and was like, hey, like, you gotta give me the money back. And Jerick was like, no, no, I don't. Mm-mm, no, not gonna happen. So Donald was like, you know what? Fuck it. Deal's off. Which did not sit well with Jerick. Jerick was like, um, excuse me, no. Mm-mm. And so the two began uh, this increasingly tense relationship. And one day, Jerick was like, look, give me $500,000 and the title to this car or else I'm telling everyone what I know. And Donald was like, fine, whatever. The car was worth $180,000. It was an Audi something or another. So he signs over everything per the request. And that really should have been the end of it, right? It wasn't. Um, so, Jarek was getting really, really angry and thinking about the deal that they used to have and how it was good for so long until Donald just decided that he didn't want to continue on with it. So Jarek was like, fuck this, I deserve more. So he called Donald and he was like, go look at Twitter. 
And on Twitter, he had posted a message about knowing Burns, knowing Donald Burns, and what he was into. And he told, allegedly told Donald that he could make things a whole lot worse. And if Donald didn't want things to get worse for himself, he needed to fork over a million dollars. And um, needed to sign over a title to a condo that Derek was, was living in. So, they were like, Jerk was, Donald was like, mm-mm, and he called the FBI and went like, hey, like, I'm being blackmailed. So he, he took all the evidence in. The FBI set up a sting where they met at a Starbucks, and Jerk was under the impression that he was about to get, you, you know, the mother load. And so they, so Jerk met with an FBI agent. Didn't realize he was an FBI agent since he was undercover. They went out, and Jerk thought he was about to get his million dollars, and instead he got arrested. And they they did find a weapon, um, a gun in Jerk's car. So they're presuming, but they can't prove that Jerk had intended to kill Donald Burns. As if the story isn't twisted enough, Jarek has um, twice appealed and lost. Uh, he was convicted of um, blackmail and conspiracy. And, but he's appealed twice, saying that he never actually blackmailed Donald. Um, all he said is, this is what... Uh, this is what's on Twitter. What are you going to give me? And um, the appeals judges didn't really buy that argument. You know, appeals judges can be such douches sometimes. You know, they don't... They won't even listen to you when you say you didn't blackmail someone when you clearly blackmailed someone. You know, it's... It's such a shame when judges won't let you lie to them. <laughs> so he's, he's still serving out... Um, he. He's not expected to get out of jail until, at the earliest, I believe it was 2020. Um, and Donald Burns was indeed out of it, obviously, because here we are. Uh, we're talking about him. I'm not sure that a lot of people realize that this was a thing, because it didn't hit the mainstream media, which, again, could have been... Burns' influence, or it could have been just one of those stories where they were like, hmm, yeah, we'll, we'll pass for now. 
Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of True Crime Saturday. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. And until next episode, I'm raising my martini glass and saying cheers. And I'm back. So this... This story has mayhem and murder and money and infidelity. It is one of the twistiest, weirdest, grossest true crime stories I've ever read in my life. And that's saying something. (laughs) I hear people like, "Mm mm-hmm. It was a lot for you, was it? <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I still think it, it, it's interesting, and it, it deserves the media treatment it's gotten, and it, um, it, it deserves to be a book. Like, I, I might actually sit down one day and just, um, compile it all because there's a lot of information about this case. Uh, it's the Ben Novak, Narcy Novak case. So, basically, what we start out with is, um, Bernice Novak was Ben's mom. She was up there in age. She owned, um, Fountain Blue Hotel. Worth a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, I cannot get an accurate estimate here. I, I've seen everything from fifty million all the way up to seven hundred and fifty million. So uh, I think it's safe to say that we're dealing with a lot of money here. And so one morning, um. 87-year-old Bernice was found dead. Now, 87 years old, not really that big of a surprise. They say that she... Initially, they saw she walked out to um, go to her car, fell, and sadly, tragically passed away. And it was not that hard to believe. Again, at that age... Um, it, it, uh, it, this is going to sound crass, but it happens. So, three months later, uh, so she died April 5th, 2009, and Ben was... Killed on July 12th, 2009. Now, I just want to point something out here. When you're going to kill somebody, or if you're going to kill two people in the same family, maybe don't do it three months and a week apart. I'm just saying, like, doing it that close together might raise some suspicions. So, anyways, so... Ben was found dead in a room in the, at a Hilton hotel. Um, he had allegedly been having an affair with a porn actress. Uh, 
her name is Rebecca Bliss. So, allegedly, he and Rebecca had had a uh, class nine meeting, and then he had his head bashed in and his eyes gouged out. Now, for those of you who watch American Horror Story, this almost sounds like the plot line of um, Hotel, where Bentley is a detective investigating these murders and in almost every single one one partner is cheating on another and it's like you know lust and whatever and gluttony and yada 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 so police were like hmm mother and son killed in a relatively short amount of time. Let's, let's look into this. So the police looked into um, Renice's death and they were like, wait a second here. She didn't die of natural causes. Dun dun dun. So then they started looking and they, they arrested Narcy Novak. And her brother, Cristobal, Veliz, Vil, uh, um, July 10th, uh, uh, July 10th, 2010. So just under a year after Ben was killed. And the motive that they stuck with was she wanted to inherit all this money and since her marriage was on the rocks and her husband was seeing a porn star, this was the only way she was she could do it. And um, she and her brother worked together to ensure that they got the money. So they were both tried on um, murder charges and conspiracy charges and... Um, and, and they were tried together, which is very unique because most of the time, um, defendants aren't tried together because it's live by one, die, die by the other, usually. Um, meaning if you try them together, they both could be found innocent or they both can be found guilty. It's very rare that one is found guilty and one is found innocent, but they, they were both found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. And mainstream media has had a field day with this. So, Darcy's daughter, May, ended up inheriting everything. Um, and when I say ended up inheriting everything, technically that's a little bit of a stretch because a lot of the fortune was um, used up in legal defense and whatnot because Narcy really thought that she wasn't going to go to jail or something. Um, she really thought that she was going to get away with murder. And if uh, just if how to get away with murder had stayed to the um 
saving a murderer every week structure, this one would have definitely made a great episode. Um, but back to the point at hand. So, during all of this, Ben was painted as this tragic hero who only wanted to love Narcy and and her daughter May. And Narcy was made out to be this gold-digging whore who had one goal and one goal only, and that was to get the money. And nobody is really looking at the shades of gray that both of these people had. They were two humans. Um, you know, yes, there's no doubt that Ben actually loved his stepdaughter. And, you know, there is no doubt that they, um, that Narcy married Ben because of his money. But, let's take a look at, you know, first of all, cheating on his wife with a porn star. That is not behavior of a hero. And me saying that doesn't take away from the fact that he was the victim of a very violent and atrocious crime. But, sanctifying him, canonizing him, and making it appear as though... This is normal. Is a little disingenuous, I think, for lack of a better word. Um, and you know, and painting Narcy as a gold digging whore. Again, not saying that she wasn't, because from all indications, she was very money hungry. But what we we're not looking at what motivated her. Was she trying to look out for her daughter? Was she trying to make sure that, you know, everyone was... Taking care of... She's not talking. She's not granted any interviews or any kind of... Anything ever since her conviction. So, what we know for now... Is that this is what she did... Um, she recruited her brother in this murder plot. Her brother recruited two more friends who ended up flipping on them and and selling them out. There's no... There's so much missing in this story that I... That's why I said it. This could really fill up the whole book as we try to figure out putting more pieces in figuring out a real motive besides money even though money is probably a very big motivational factor here that's going to do it for this episode of Drunk Gossip colon 
true crime. I don't know why I tried that out. Um, thank you guys so much for listening as always. Um, as we speak, I am probably heading out on a plane. So wish me luck, pray for me. Um, and until I talk to you guys again, cheers. Hey guys, it's Ed coming to you from the Drunk Gossip Studios. And today is a very special episode. Um, it is our true crime episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you like this, please let me know. If you want me to stop, let me know that too. Um, I I found the the true crime genre um, when I worked on a story for. Um, vocal media about the McDonald's scam and I loved it and since that time I've done it has to be over 100 articles that, that are true crime alone not including my pop culture and or sex articles and I have two satire articles on there too um we'll talk about the satire some other time because it's just whew. I did I did really well with satire in the week um over in Generation Gossip, but for vocal, I just haven't found the right voice for that yet. Anyways, this is not about satire. This is about true crime, and there is one one story that really bothers me, and I don't know that it's technically true crime, um, but I think it. there's enough um, crime in here that it, it can easily be labeled that. So porn star Kyle Dean died last September of uh, September of 2018. And this would be unremarkable except for a couple things. First of all, he was only 21. Now, okay, let's be honest, 21-year-olds do die. But he was in great physical health. Um, There were no diseases that were known to the public. And the other thing that kind of strikes me as odd is when he died, um, just a couple months beforehand, there had been a rash of um, young gay porn stars dying. One was found in a Qdoba bathroom. Now, the the other deaths were attributed to drug overdose. Um, Kyle's wasn't. There's actually no known cause of death for Kyle. I've reached out to the proper police department. I've not heard back yet from them. But as I said in, in my article um, for Vocal, was Kyle being killed? It actually would make more sense if he had been killed because um, he did have a drug problem. Um, People would talk about um, the kind of drugs he would do. His favorite was Xanax, which which seems to be very popular with a lot of people. Um, Maybe someone suggested that maybe he owed the wrong people money. And of course, that's, that is always a possibility. Mm-hmm. Nobody is ever going to say, 
oh my god, no, like, that's just, that's just not possible. What are, you, what are you talking about? Of course it's a possibility. We all knew it was a possibility. What we also know is that the porn industry is very shady. And what I mean by that is not, they're not like, oh, girl, you look good like a tree trunk. No. <laughs> um, they deal with shady and unsavory characters. Um, some companies have ties to the mob. And I can't help but wonder if that's not the case with Kyle Dean. You know, he got caught up with someone, a producer perhaps. Because here's the thing. He started out doing straight porn. Then he started, um, when the straight porn offers started to dry up, no pun intended, um, he started doing gay porn. But he was a top. Now, I know a lot of straight guys who say um, if, if they were to do gay porn, they would have to be the top. Not that big of a deal. I get it, you know, whatever. But then, somewhere along the way, he switched over to bottoming. Now, here's the natural progression of these kind of scenarios. Usually, the guy will start out as a bottom, progress to a top, and then progress over to straight porn. So the fact that Kyle went in reverse suggests that he was on some kind of downward spiral. He was also only 18 and very easily influenced, which I think played a big part here. Was he killed? We may never know. I'm trying to piece things together. Um, I'm reaching out to his uh, his mother and his family to see if they have anything they want to say. Um, but I, I do believe that there could have been a serial killer out there killing these young gay porn stars or young gay for pay porn stars because something just doesn't add up here. I'm going to stay on top of this case and I will let you know um, what I can find. And I sound so Nancy Drewish. Um, all right, guys. Um, enjoy the rest of the episode. Please let me know what you think. And I will be right back with our next segment.